Welcome to the Cleaning Up Business Podcast. My name's Chris Kilfoyle and I'm going to be your host. In every episode, we're hoping to bring you industry leaders from a wide variety of service sectors, disruptors within their industry and day-to-day entrepreneurs with some business and life lessons for you guys to take away. Let's jump in to today's episode. really think about if you want to be an entrepreneur you know what this ain't for me you know this is not for me and seeing that money in the bank account i was like oh this is the start of something once you are passionate about something it doesn't really feel like work yep relationships are everything the people that we've helped the most seem to be the people that kind of hurt us the most or in business as a whole there aren't many secrets so i believe that god gave me the inspiration to start fine clean and within a minute he contacted me directly with the person the decision maker in that company our mission is to become the best cleaning operator in the UK, things could go really wrong. Welcome back to another episode of the Cleaning Up Business Podcast. My name is Chris Kilfoyle and today I've got another fantastic guest for you. I have Gabriel Pereira with me, founder and owner of Fine Clean that was founded in 2017. And today we're going to be chatting all things cleaning industry, content and everything else that goes with running a business. So Gabriel, thank you for joining us today. No, thank you guys. It's been, a, it's been an interesting journey. Yeah. Kind of seeing you guys online and being here. I know. Gabriel's had a bit of a tough day today. It took him nearly four hours to get down to JCD HQ. So we really appreciate you making the journey, especially coming from a long way. We have some divas that make us go all the way to them. So uh, we really appreciate you coming down. It's good from a continuity perspective because yeah, I'll, I'll keep that in mind for next time I'll, yeah make I'll us, drag you guys down <laughs> make us come to you so Gabriel with all of our guests we take everyone all the way back to the start so tell me a little bit about yourself and what you've done before you founded Feinkling um so I'm originally from, from Portugal lovely uh, so my family they originally from Brazil they came to to Portugal first um in the 90s I was born and then we they decided to come to, to the UK in 2010 okay uh the main reason was for education uh, so my my dad wanted me to to have a better education and have better opportunities for whatever I decided to do. Um, we landed in Oxford. That was our first spot. Um, we stayed there for a few years. And then I went to Worcester University. So my background um, is sales, customer service. So my first ever job was at 13. Uh, I've always been kind of customer-facing interaction. So I worked in a telephone uh, repair shop, laptop repair shop. So I've always had experience in terms of dealing with customers, um, in terms of selling, in terms of how to present a product or a service in a certain way. Um, but I, I've never really, I never really thought that I was going to go into the cleaning industry. It's um, it's one of those things that uh, the more I speak to, uh, the more people I speak to about the cleaning industry is either you're extremely passionate about it and you start off uh, as a cleaning operative and then you develop a business or you just kind of stumble upon it. Uh, and to me it was kind of the latter. I stumbled upon it. Um, and I was at the Worcester University studying human nutrition and the idea really came from a necessity. So I was living in a house of uh, six, six guys or so six mates and it was a mess. It was a student accommodation. Yeah. It, you know, there's plenty to be cleaned in them, isn't there? Yeah, there is. But the, the reason why I really started looking into cleaning was because I contacted about 20 cleaning companies. No one came back to me. Really? Yeah. So my mum, she came from Oxford. She came to visit. And every time she came to visit, she said, Gabriel, the house is a mess. The six of you guys, at least one of you could keep the house clean. And yeah, we tried. We tried everything. We tried rotors. We tried breaking the house down into little zones. Everyone's <laughs> responsible for something. Nothing worked. 
Uh, and then one day she was like, hey, well, next time I'm coming, I'm going to clean the house. Because she was a contract manager. Okay. So she comes from kind of the facilities management cleaning industry background. So she does understand, um, I guess, cleaning from both sides, from doing and managing. That's interesting because same, same with me. My parents were both in the industry. Nice. So sort of, you've, you know, you've got a little, you've, you've, when I was younger, I think, oh, I'll never, I'll never end up in that industry because, you know, I'm going to do something really cool. But yeah. obviously it didn't transpire that. But it sounds like you had a bit of a bit of knowledge there behind it with your mum. Yeah, absolutely. Because again, as you're starting something afresh, it is kind of a blank canvas. Yeah. Um, and then from that moment when my mum said, Gabriel, I'm coming down next time. I'm going to bring my cleaning kit. I'm going <laughs> to deep clean the whole house. And uh, I said, don't do it. So eventually, after contacting 20 cleaning companies, no one came back to me. Kind of a light bulb moment came happened. And I thought to myself, either there's too much work, which is a good thing, or the customer service is really bad, which, which for me is also a good, a good opportunity. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of like the, 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 the trigger for me to start looking into the cleaning industry uh, a lot more. And yeah. How old was you then? I was 18. Okay. Yeah. So I was 18, just turning 19. Um, and it was an opportunity for me to find out more about the industry business a- as a whole. So I just delved deep into market research. It took me six months to really understand what I was really talking about in terms of the chemicals, uh, the compliance element of it, who I was going to sell to and everything else. And kind of the first, my first ideal client was landlords. So I really wanted to focus in student accommodation because that's where I started from. But yeah, the business just took like, they just did a U-turn within the first two months. I had two commercial cleaning clients. So an office and a nightclub. Yep. Nightclubs are, they're tough, aren't they? We've done, I think we've done a few and found them difficult environments because usually they need a clean, you know, after a a party effectively on a large scale. How did you find doing them? It's tough because it just resets every time. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter if you make the place look shiny, smell nice and everything else. You know that tomorrow it's going to be a tip again, Uh, which again, for the cleaning operative mindset, you need to get someone who understands that. Yeah. Because if you just get someone who's trying to go super detail oriented, um, maybe like a housekeeping mindset, they will just get demoralized after every single visit because it doesn't matter how clean you make it. The very next morning... Toilets are going to be trashed. Hallways are going to be trashed. Dance floor is going to be a mess. So but yeah, it was interesting. And again, um, I'm blessed to, to have started a business with a client. So my first ever client was a nightclub in Worcester called Alexander's. Um, again, I was 19 at the time, just as I was about to start the business. And I was um, promoting a, a night. So I used to be a promoter. Okay. And uh, again, packing away everything from the event me and the nightclub owner were just having a chat, Alex. Um, and I just said to him, you need to get someone to come and deep clean this place for you. Just comment, just a passing comment. And he said, actually, my, my, my cleaner is re- retiring yeah. in two weeks time. Okay. And I said, bingo. I said, I'm actually starting a cleaning company three weeks from now. Yeah. Uh, I'm just finalizing all the steps. And then he said, okay, let's have a conversation because I haven't found anyone else to replace her. And um, again, everything just came together. And I started a cleaning company with a 25 hour a week contract um, for, I think it was like four days, five, yeah, four days. Yeah. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And not many people can say they, that. You started straight away. Yes. So you had no, no other experienced jobs before that, literally straight into out of uni. So, so within uni, I was working uh, part-time. Okay. So I was working for three. So I was selling phones. Um, again, my background is sales. So I was doing 16 hours a week, um, 
Saturdays and Sundays. Yeah. And then during the, during the week, I was doing the university. So I didn't actually complete uh, my university degree. So I think within two and a half years, I decided to, to, to drop out and stop. Okay. Because I just felt that the opportunity that came up from the cleaning company yeah. was going to be much bigger than whatever I was going to do with my nutrition degree. Yeah. I love nutrition. I love sports. I love um, kind of the human body, anatomy and everything else. But again, sometimes I, I, I'm a Christian. I believe in God. So I believe that God gave me the inspiration to start fine clean. Yeah. It was a very vivid um, and, and realistic uh, um, vision that I said that I received to start a company, name it fine clean. It will go well. Yeah. And then I did it. That's interesting because we've had a few guests on the podcast about uh, university in particular, and, and most of them have, have, have gone through it. How did you find that university experience? Did anything keep within that track? Because obviously I know it's a specific subject, but did anything from uni transpire into your business career or did you find it there's totally no correlation between the two? I think it it is a shock, um, university as a whole. It is it is a, again, for, for, for any parent who is in a, the, the position now to kind of take their kids yeah. to university, I would be extremely cautious. And I, I've just, I've just become a dad. Mm. So well, congratulations. Thank you. So she's uh, she's 10 months old, Ariel. But when I get to that situation of sending her to uni yep. or having that conversation, it's, um, it, how can I say, sometimes you're sending your kids to like the slaughterhouse. That's mm. probably the best way to put it. Okay. And not to kind of sound too negative or, or graphic, but it's a bunch of people that don't know themselves, don't know their, their, who they are yep. trying to pretend they know who they are. Yeah. So there's a lot of kids that go there and get lost literally. Mm. Um, so to me, it was kind of an eye opening experience. So I had a lot of people that I met within, within freshers week and everything else. And within two weeks, they just, they were completely, totally different people. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, on, on, on a negative kind of side of things, they were just got involved in the wrong crowd and everything else. So to me, the correlation aspect of it was, it made me, appreciate and understand relationships better. Okay. Um, again, I don't know if this is like a male thing, but usually men are hard to, to kind of understand emotion and communicate and everything else. But to me, uni kind of gave me kind of that shock of, I really need to kind of understand who I'm speaking with, understand the people that I'm around. Um, and that kind of translated to business, if that makes sense. Yeah. So now as a kind of, I would say as an experienced uh, business owner and entrepreneur, relationships are everything. Oh, I totally agree. And communication as well. It's kind of paramount. Yep. So understanding who you're surrounding yourself with, clients, stakeholders, staff, supply, whatever, whoever, it's very important. So I'll probably say that I was the connection that I made from uni, understanding that whoever I surround myself with could uh, end up being my downfall or my success yep. um, in my course. And I know a lot of people that came into university just surrounded themselves with the right people even though everyone had a good time, but they just stayed focused and they were the only ones that actually got their degree and got their first class degrees and everything else. So I think, you know, my aspect on uni, I never went. I, I've said on the channel several times, I, I, I pissed around at school, you know, literally wasted it. I, I wish I'd done better, to be honest. And in hindsight, I would have tried to do better and maybe done the uni experience. But, but I always interestingly probed that about university because a lot of the guests I've had on have been to university. Yep. Um, we had a, a guest on last guest that had been to Oxford. Um, yep. You know, so the, it seems the ROI, unless you've got a very specific, you know, you're being a doctor or a mm. lawyer or something like that. It's, it's not really there for the, 
for the Joe public or yeah. the average person in my eyes. And people that have come out of uni, excluding Adam, the person behind the camera I know because he's in media, but they don't use the skills they've learned at uni yeah. in terms of what the subject they've done to put that into, you know, their working day-to-day life and they always go something else. Yeah. It's interesting. They, they take skills out of it. Like yeah. you say, building relationships. And I totally agree with you, you know, having good relationships with people in our industry. Yeah. I think that's the key. Um, companies go on about, we're, we're jumping a bit ahead here, but companies go on about USPs, mm. you know, what separates your cleaning company from mine? Well, probably not a lot really. Mm. The, the aspect is the relationships you hold with your customer that me walking in cold would never, ever, yeah. you know, you've took time to materialize Absolutely. it. So yeah, I, I totally agree with that. So you've started fine clean. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about that journey of, you know, we're obviously in 2023 now. So you've yep. been at it quite a while. Yep. You're 24, 26, 26. Yeah. There you go. So you've been at it a while yeah. now. So tell us a little bit about that fine clean journey. Obviously you've got your, you've got your first two contracts. What's going on next? So, the way that I think I'm very structured. Yep. So um, I like to plan things ahead. I like goals, objectives. If if you want to have a long conversation with me, let's talk about structure, policies, procedures, and everything else. So when I started the business, I pretty much had. Have you have you read uh, Michael E. Gerberth? Um, yes, Beemith. Yes, on the Beemith. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Amazing. Yep. But that probably it, it opened my mind to a lot of things, okay. but it probably kind of kind of. Uh, slowed me down a little bit okay because when i had i read read that you had to have an operations manual you need to have all the positions broken down Mm. you need to know exactly what they're doing what what are the tasks specifically i just took that as i need to do that right now right and i spent probably the six months the majority of of those six months creating a a, a, an operations manual right believe it or not i was working away working away i spilled coffee on the on the laptop (laughs) i had like 100 pages done yeah Ready to go. Thousands of words, ready to go. And me, I didn't have a backup. So I had to, to start the whole thing again. So in, in kind of in hindsight, I probably wouldn't have done that. Mm. Um, with experience, you know that you will learn as you go along. Yeah. And you create the policies and procedures. So the type of person that I am, I started a business with kind of the, the, the end in mind. Good. I knew exactly where I wanted to go. I knew exactly the types of customers, how I was going to approach them, um, pricing and everything else. So within that market research, I recontacted the companies again. Um, as I was still in uni, I wasn't really lying. I'm saying, look, I'm doing a project. I want to find out more about cleaning companies in the area. Business uh, espionage. <laughs> yeah, literally. And I think that was probably the best thing that I have that, that I did at the time. So contact the local uh, cleaning community, understand who they are, understand their practices. A lot of people just said, look, can't really give too much away. But some people really opened up. Uh, they said, yeah, we've been in business for X amount of time. This is the price that we would usually charge. This is the equipment that we we would use. This is what we recommend, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So um, at first, like I said, my journey was focused towards landlords, focused towards cleaning student accommodation. A more domestic, a domestic residential market. So within six months, we had four or five domestic clients. Um, I had one or two landlords plus the two commercial contracts. So it, it started really fast. But then I just thought to myself, my my focus needs to be towards commercial uh, and then eventually go towards the industrial market. But the, the domestic side of stuff, it was in my eyes. And again, I don't want to offend anyone. It's uh, it's very hard to scale. Uh, I agree. And it, it's very difficult to train someone or multiple people on how to clean your house, for example, because you like your ornaments in a certain way. Yeah. 
The reason we don't do domestic cleaning, and like yourself, yeah. I think when you first start, you, you think, oh, well, I'll do that because it's relatively mm. low-hanging fruit, right? Um, the problem with it, and we're spot on, um, and I told, you know, it sounds like we're pretty much on the same wavelength. What you expect in your household and what I expect in mine and what Adam expects in his, they're going to be all different. Mm. So you might go from job to job to job, and you can't really standardise what's going on in there. So it is a tough, tough market. Yeah. And like you say, to scale it, unless you're – one of our guests um, founded a very large tech startup um, where they focus on the residential market. They're like the Uber for residential cleaning, effectively. Yep. Like you say, for Joe Public, like us, with our own, it is hard to scale. Um, you know, you've never, that's why that guest started what he has, because there's no market leader in it at the end of the day. You, you can't name a house cleaning company apart from fantastic cleaners who are a franchise model and they're pretty much online, housekeep.com. Is there one specific company that does domestic well or is it large scale? There's not. So no, I totally agree with you on that one. And I literally, that, that's the exact, my, my, my same exact uh, train of thought, which was for me to make money in a domestic setting, I can grow it to a, 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 a sizable uh, place, but I would either have to franchise it. Yep. Um, I would either have to sell it or I'm going to have to make an app uh, mm -hmm. out of it. And none of those options appealed to me. Yeah. Um, I really wanted to build a cash flowing business, a business that I can build a brand around it, um, build a team, build a culture. And again, the way that I think I like to standardize things. And I just, uh, at the time, I didn't really have much hair. Now I do. I was, I, I, I've been pulling, pulling my hair out because it's just, it's, it was really hard to standardize and train and to trust people as well. To go into someone's house even though you can do your DBSs, you can do your reference checks and everything else, but that's kind of your safe space, your yeah. sanctuary. So if the, anything goes wrong, I'm, 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 I can't really argue. Yeah, sure. My, my case that much. So I just thought to myself, this is going to be kind of a, a, a difficult route. Yeah. Um, if I want to achieve the objectives that I, I had in mind. So I just kind of shifted my, my vision, my focus into commercial and industrial and again, thank God business has been going really well, but we've focused solely on um, offices, warehouses, schools. Um, we do have different venues that we work with. We do have different types of projects that we do. Um, we do work with universities. We do work with kind of um, uh, companies that developers, their own uh, student accommodation yeah. facilities and everything else. But our main niche is schools, the educational sector, and also kind of large offices and warehouses. Okay. Did when you initially started Fine Clean, was was you involved much operationally? Was you, you know, was you on the on the ground as we would say? And have you slowly moved away from that or do you still get because the reason I ask that that's a loaded question, is even at our size now, we've got eighty five odd employees. There's still weeks where something will go wrong and I'll end up not necessarily back on the tools, but if I go to a contract and someone's off sick or whatever it may be, although we've got cover there, I'll still get involved and things like that. Did you find that early days that you were heavily involved in the cleaning or? Absolutely. So um, again, my, my first ever goal was I want to get away from actually being on the tools within six to eight months. Nice. I was actually able to move away from. Oh, well done. Within, within the, the seven months, eight month period. But the aim was I would never, ever leave operations yeah. in the sense of if needed, it's my business at the end of the day. Sure. I can't shy away from it. Mm. I can't ask someone to do something that I wouldn't be personally comfortable doing myself. And I still, I still say that to this day. Thank God we now have a team of cover staff. We have team leaders, shift leaders that can step up and cover. But if worse comes to worst, and even my parents as well, we will step up and we will clean. 
I haven't had to do that in a few years, but if needed, you've got a back up there. I'll do that. Yeah. Because I know that at the end of the day, I'm kind of the buck kind of ends with me. So yeah. if I don't deliver, the client isn't really going to be, Oh, where is so-and-so they'd be like, Gabriel, you didn't deliver what you promised. Yeah. I'm the same as you. Um, you know, that mindset of, well, I would rather go and do it myself than have a miss clean. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it's good that you've got off the tools nice and early. You go back to the uh, Michael Gerber, the E-Myth Revisited. I, I actually think you've done it the right way around because we didn't do it that way around. You were quite, it sounds like you were quite pragmatic in your approach. So, And obviously I'm thinking of the audience, you know, it's probably people within the cleaning industry. You know, if you're starting out, I think it's good to define who's doing what and have those processes in place early on yeah. because uh, us as a business, I think we could be better at that. Um, and now trying to do it when you're the, you've got loads more in people, loads more office people, you know, it's like a ship, you know, you've got a small ship. It's relatively easy to turn. You've got Mm. a big one. It's a lot slower. So I think you've definitely done that the right way around. And it's good that you've managed to stay off the tools and, 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 you know, just focus on the business development stuff. Is that what you focus on now? Is it business development? Obviously you put a lot of social content, which we'll come on to later on. Um, but is that what you're doing day to day now? Yeah. So it's, it's been a journey. Uh, so even though I stepped away from the tools and cleaning myself a few years ago, I've always stayed in the operations side of stuff purely because my mindset is I need to understand something, even if it's to a basic level before I can get someone train them and explain clearly, this is what I want. This is the result that I would like you to achieve. Um, I'm sure you've probably been in the same situation where sometimes we jump the gun and we're like, I need to get someone that is more knowledgeable than me to tell me what to do Mm -hmm. so we can kind of grow. But I think that's a, that's a mistake or has been a mistake for me multiple times where I thought, let me get an experienced ops manager on board pay them a big salary. I'm expecting them to tell me, Gabriel, you need this piece, that piece, this piece, these procedures, this structure, and then we can go. But it ended up being the completely opposite way around. Um, they, because there was no structure, because the procedures or certain procedures, certain things, certain resources weren't in place, they did less. Okay. So um, even though I had basic structure, basic policies, basic procedures, I've wanted to kind of stay involved with within operations up until last year where we found a very good operational team leader and I've been developing him to become operations manager. And then this year is the year that he's fully taken over yeah. all of the operations. Mm-hmm. So for me, even to be here today, again, I'm confident that all of our contracts, all of our staff, all of our management team are doing exactly what we uh, agreed to do. Yeah. Uh, we catch up on a regular basis. Um, we have a ops catch up every single Monday and daily we're texting backwards and forwards. Um, so I know exactly everyone is on the same page when it comes to operations. And that's a good place to be in for anyone with a business, cleaning business, whatever it may be, because, and, and again, this is, you know, it can become a problem if you're looking at exit sale, like we discussed down the line, if it's solely relying on you being there and it doesn't function without you there, you have got, you haven't got a business really, yeah. you know, you're in a job. Um, and that's not sellable. It's hard to scale because you're only one person, right? You can't be here selling a contract and doing the operations as well. So again, it sounds like you've done it all the, the right way around, to be honest. Um, well, we've learned that the hard way further down, down the road, yeah. to be fair. That hiring piece, I totally agree with you on that. It, you know, you think oh, what I'll do, I'll pay someone, um, you know, I'll get a salary, someone the salaried in, get them through the door and, you know, that that will fix all my problems. But we've had the same and I think people fall into that trap. People still are going to come in and need direction, right? How do, 
how do does Gabriel like this to be managed or whatever it may be? So I think having those processes in place is definitely something that everyone should do early on before you, you get big and you've definitely done it the right way around. How you found the wider business journey? So like being an entrepreneur, how have you found owning your own business, operating your own business, take, take the cleaning element out of it, just business in general. Do you find it stressful? Is it enjoyable? Is it something you just take in your stride or yeah. you cry in tears every day <laughs> or is it all sunshine and rainbows like other people say? To be honest, um, I, I, felt, I fell in love with business first. Okay. Um, I knew that I wanted to do something um, of my own yeah. from a very young age. So even from my first job at 13, I had direct contact with the business owner. Mm. Um, me and him, we used to have, again, he kind of mentored me um, and he saw something in me and he said, Gabriel, just just listen to what I'm saying. Follow the steps that I'm, I'm giving you when it comes to customer, when it comes to selling, when it comes to speaking to certain suppliers and everything else. So I understood very early on that I, I would like to do what he's doing, yeah. to own something and kind of be responsible for my lifestyle how I was going to set up my, my life basically. So, um, I fell in love with business first. I then fell in love with the business of cleaning, mm -hmm. um, which it took me a while if I'm honest, because again, you even started the conversation by saying, um, you, you probably wanted to do something a little bit more sexy than, than, than cleaning. Of course. I, f I felt the same way. And it's taken me a really long time to kind of get into the mindset of cleaning is a, is an essential industry is an essential 100%. it's everywhere in the world but here in the uk specifically it's something that i don't think it has been explored enough mm -hmm. and even kind of just before we were talking about um the industry as a whole the landscape of the industry who is um kind of in the top who is in the middle who's doing what so yeah. to me once i understood the opportunities in the cleaning industry and what i as an individual and as a company we can bring to the industry I just completely fell in love with the cleaning industry as a whole. This is a long way to answer your question. No, no, go for it. What, what, what I'm trying to say is um, once you feel, once you, once you are passionate about something, it doesn't really feel like work. Yep. Um, yes, we are going to work. Yes. You do feel the responsibility in your shoulders of payroll of people's um, uh, emotions, people's families. And I, I guess that kind of does keep me grounded. Um, again, because of my faith, I always kind of, put my burdens uh, to the Lord and I, I pray, I pass on all of my stresses and anxieties and I try not to focus too much on them. Yeah. The way that I am and the way that I think I do feel those emotions, but I try to move on from those emotions really fast because if, if I, if I sit and I think about them for too long, I think I'll become depressed if yeah. I'm honest, because it's, it's a, it's a big responsibility cash, managing cash, managing suppliers, managing uh, compliance and health and safety, managing people's emotions, staff, and obviously everyone comes with their, with their own um, personal problems. Of course, you don't know what's going on, you know, when they're outside, outside of work, do you? You don't. And it's, um, if you sit down and you stop and you, you think about it, I think it mm. could paralyze you a little bit. So, um, yeah, I do think about those things, but I move on from them really quickly. Yeah. My wife calls me a robot when it comes to emotions sometimes, but I think in, in business, uh, in certain aspects of business, it is important for you to kind of be a little bit black and white, uh, I, I think, but I not to be cold. Yeah. Obviously, you can't be cold, but be black and white in certain instances where you know there's a risk, you know there's kind of anxiety and things happening and uh, deadlines to meet and everything else, but just keep moving. So yeah. my one of my mentors, uh, one of the things that he says all the time 
Shout out to him. He knows who he is. Um, if there, if there was an elephant in this room, how would you eat it? Yeah. And he says one bite at a time. Mm. If there was a house you had to build, how did you build it? One brick at a time. Yeah. And that's the same mindset that I have daily. It's today. I'm just laying down a brick. Yeah. However, that brick looks like I'm just laying that brick down. I think it's good. I think it's a good point about emotions, you know, and it's hot. I've been guilty of this. It's hard, you know, because you, you build up relationships with people within the business. Um, you know, and sometimes look, you're having a conversation with someone. What are the facts, right? These are the facts. And as much as it can be a difficult and awkward conversation to have sometimes, I think taking the emotion out of it. And I, I, I've been guilty of the other side of it, where you're sitting with your thoughts, you're thinking, well, I've got this going on. I've got this coming up or whatever it may be. And you sit with it for a long time. And maybe you don't know, you know, you don't know the answer yeah. all the time. But if you can just say, right, what are the facts I've got in front of me at the moment? Make that decision. And maybe that is a best approach because I am probably guilty myself of dwelling on things. And I think it does give you the more you dwell on something. Yeah. It just manifests into, you know, something that's, it then becomes a bit of a burden. So it sounds yeah. again, like you get this, this man's got it nailed down. <laughs> I should have had you on earlier. No, it's or not. should I seen you in 2014? <laughs> I'll save myself loads of headache. Um, but if I can say this, if I can say this, I'm not, I'm not, um, I don't, I don't want you to, to, to even, even kind of, I know we're, we're kind of joking and everything else. It's, it isn't me as an individual doing these things. Yeah. I'm sure sometimes you think about it as well. All you're doing is you're coming to the office like everyone else and you're just kind of banging out your tasks. Yeah. Literally you have a to-do list, you're doing your list. Sometimes the list becomes double by the end of the day of course. and everything else. But it isn't, it isn't me with my own two hands that is doing this. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, I have to keep referring back to God. I have to keep referring back to faith. Um, but secondly as well is is my team. I think, again, God has put a very good team in place right down from my first ever employees. So my first four employees are still with me at the moment. Good. After six nice. years. Uh, so they've seen the progression of my office being my bedroom. My bedroom was literally desk, bed. And I was doing seven days a week of waking up, desktop, working, working, working from like four or 5 a.m. all the way to like 10, 11 p.m., seven days a week. It was actually my my wife that saved me from that that, that weird be. lifestyle. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so it's it's not me who's kind of shaping these things and doing these things and everything else. Like we have a vision, but this is one of the reasons why it's, I, I find it, and again, I have to give you props for the things that you're doing right now because it's a, it's an industry that doesn't, that doesn't get enough attention. It doesn't get enough props. No idea. The staff members, um, again, one of the conversations that I had really recently, which was about the pandemic situation, I'm sure you had to go through this as well, was we were sending out our staff kind of to fight uh, 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 an invisible enemy. Mm -hmm. um, and the way that the, the, the analogy that this person gave to me was we send out soldiers to fight an enemy that they can see, but we were sending out kind of our team, our soldiers, to go and fight an invisible enemy. Every single day I had to prep, pep talk my team and say, guys, this is what we're doing. This is the reason why we're doing it. This is how we're going to protect ourselves, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So if it wasn't for them, if it wasn't for the team, the staff and everything else, this country would still be shut because yeah. people wouldn't trust the environment sure. to come back. So again, I have to give your props to, for everything that you, you guys are doing at JCD and also with the cleaning up podcast, I think it's amazing and it's very important. No, I mean, that's one of the main reasons, and we'll, we'll come on to content shortly, but that's one of the main reasons we do what we do. It's just, you know, 
the bottom line is the people at the top of the industry, you know, because they've done their time. I can see that I see the logic behind it, but you know, we're talking guys, uh, guys and girls that are in their 50s, 60s, you know, they're, they're edging towards retirement. And if we look at the demographic of people that are coming into the business now, well, obviously, you know, we've got Gen Z millennials, you know, how do they consume content? How are they getting aware of um, how are we breaking down those barriers of yeah. what the cleaning industry actually does? Well, by not putting out content or not saying, well, look, this is what a contract looks like. This is how we do X, Y, Z. No one's going to know. And then they're going to have that perception of, well, uh, you, you see it with these motivational quotes. I treat the cleaner with the same respect I treat the CEO. And what that denotes to me is, well, the cleaner is the lowest of the low. Yeah. You know, that's what that's saying, effectively. Yeah. We've got a demographic here, the cleaners at the bottom, the CEOs at the top. Um, and like you say, they do such valuable work and such interesting work yes. as well. There's such a diverse range of jobs that people can do within the industry, yeah. sales, business development, robotics, and all, all that yeah. good stuff now. If we don't show people, unless they fall into the industry, which 90% of people do, yeah. they're not going to know. Yeah. Um, so we need more companies like yourself, us, putting out content. And I don't mean like, I say, a stock image yeah. of someone cleaning a desk with their marigolds on, yeah. because that's not reality. Um, you know, more, actually, this is what we do day yeah. to day. And, and you're, you're doing the same as well. That's how we come across Absolutely. you and had you on the podcast. Back to Fine Clean. What's been, an artist of every guest, what's been the highlight or one of the best moments that you can recall with your business to date so far? Is there a particular moment that sticks out for you? Um, there's a few, I'll probably say kind of coming right, right to the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, when we got our first contract, the nightclub kind of seeing their first, I think it was like 1500 pounds hit the account. Yeah. It was again, from me being in a student bedroom, me working part-time, me exchanging my time for money. And then I was still exchanging my time for money because I was cleaning, but understanding that I can bring value and what value actually could look like yeah. and seeing that money in the bank account. I was like, Oh, this is a start of something. I'm onto something here. Yeah. So I think that was the first moment where I was like, this is, th this is going to work. And I think that, that gave me the, the, the courage to convince my parents to leave Oxford and drop everything. So my, my sisters were in school. They were just about to start GCSEs. Wow. My parents were both working. So they really trusted me and my vision to drop everything and come to, to, to Worcester. Um, so that was kind of point number one. Point number two was, again, I think you, I think you do hit those small milestones. Cool. So first employee, I think non-family, I think that was an amazing experience. Um, I think being acknowledged as well. So I think as a, as a young, as a young entrepreneur, sometimes you, I was entering certain rooms and people didn't really know who I was. They didn't really know how I was doing or anything else. But the moment that they heard, I was in the cleaning industry. They were like, oh, is that it? And once I started to kind of, the business started to get credibility, started to get a good reputation in, in the, the local area, kind of people saying, oh, you're Gabriel from Fine Clean, right? Again, it isn't to self-boast. It isn't to be like, oh, I'm Gabriel, you recognize me. But it's to kind of, the journey is slowly progressing. Yeah. And I can see it in small things, small developments, um, that becoming more and more of a reality. And and again, I think you, I'm sure you still get this as well. When you win kind of a, a big project with more zeros in the end, you're, you're, it's still kind of a nice feeling. Of course. I know I'm focusing about kind of the money side of things, but that money will then get reinvested back into the business, vans, training staff. Um, we're just kind of, um, so we have this thing called diamond of the month. So our logo is a diamond. Uh, and then we have diamond of the quarter and diamond of the year. 
uh, and we're now used to just be a, a certificate that yeah. we used to give out to staff. Now we're actually giving out proper awards. Okay. Like physical awards, like how you used to win them in in school, in yeah. school and sporting uh, uh, activities and everything else. I don't know; it sounds small, but those things kind of solidify even more. Fine, clean, yeah, to me, sure, as a business, and it's like it's no longer kind of a, a me thing; it's a our thing, yeah. And yeah, I, 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 hopefully that answers the question. Yeah, kind sure. of originally from the initial point of that first contract, first winning. And then now kind of the small little things happening on a month to month basis yep. that make it even more legit. I think that just goes back to saying, you know, there's so many different high points and rewards within the industry. How, uh, this is again, a bit of a loaded question. Now you said it, how does that get received with your staff? Is that good for staff morale? You know, diamond of the month that you do with the team? It is. Um, and again, because I've always been, I've from when I can remember 13 years old, I've been working mm -hmm. and I've never really kind of, deeped the importance of recognition Yeah, from a young age. I just thought, oh, I'm just coming in. I'm just working, have a good relationship with the business owner, the manager and everything else. That, that's, that's all I need. I make my money, I go home. But the more I grow up, um, obviously my, my parents are still very much involved. Um, that we now set up a, a kind of a sister company called Lelina. Okay. So it's a commercial uh, laundry. Right. Uh, and we, we do linen hire, we work with hotels and Airbnbs and gyms and everything else. So they now are running kind of that sister company and that's all they focus on. But because they have experience working in multinational companies, multi-million pound companies, where sometimes you may feel like just a number, yep. they understand the value of recognition. They understand the value of the managing director, the owner of a business walking into site and saying, hi, Gabriel, or whoever, yeah, yeah. nice to, nice to see you. You're recognized. I know you're doing a really good job. I spoke to the client and do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I'm now kind of reaping those rewards as mm -hmm. well, uh, as a business, because we, we have a, a good retention rate That's again good. for the industry. Um, and the people that do stay, what well, we do have this, this, this thing is we want to keep the best. If you're not the best, if you're not really wanting to kind of grow with us, yeah. we're going to get rid of you quick. And it has to be like that. Definitely. And the people that do stay, they, they appreciate those things. So mm -hmm. again, I've mentioned that my four staff members are still with me from the beginning. Um, I'll, I'll name drop Lucy. So she's one of, she's one of our longest standing staff members. And one of the things that she, every single time we see each other, we have a conversation and she talks about Gabriel. Thank you. Thank you for recognizing us. Thank you for talking about us. Thank you for coming to site and speaking to the team. Um, because she's seen the progression. She's seen how much of a mess it was in the beginning. Mm and how smoother things are at the moment. So again, one of my, my mentors, uh, he is from the cleaning industry. That's one of the things that he keeps banging on about all the time. Culture, culture, yeah. staff, That's recognition. Yeah. Um, we, yeah. um, yeah, we're, we're going through a little bit of a transition phase of that as we expand, yeah. but culture is very important. One of our previous guests, Ollie Rastall, he mentioned about company culture and how, at the end of the day, whatever business you're on, you want winners, right? You want people Absolutely. who are going to come to work and deliver yeah. on the ground. And in the cleaning industry, such a saturated industry, we mentioned about um, relationships being a key USP, then relationships you hold. What's the other factor 
when you're delivering a cleaning service? Well, it's the staff on the ground actually delivering yeah. the cleaning. And if they're highly motivated, they're rewarded, you've got a good relationship with them, they're only going to produce good results out yeah. on the ground. And some of the best people within the cleaning industry that I've seen, because I've been fortunate enough to work with people from all aspects of life and from very senior positions within very big companies, they are all people, people, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. You know, they're people persons. So uh, there was a guy I worked for, uh, Paul, um, who I'm moving to have on the podcast at some point, you know, he would speak fluently with the managing director of some of the, you know, CEOs of the biggest UK companies mm -hmm. you could think of, you know, and develop a rapport. And he would also go and see Janet, who was a cleaner at State Street Bank or wherever it may be. And he would have exist. He, you could just, in his interaction with them, they would be identical. Yeah. And again, that comes back to staff retention. Yeah. And then you've obviously got your guys that have been with you from the start. And, and that's great because they know what you expect. They know what the business is about. And it's good for them to see that growth. I, I don't get it right all the time. No, of course. And it's, no been, one does. And it's been like a, a massive learning self-development journey for me when it comes to um, the recognition side of stuff. Um, in my mind before, I was very much, again, separating personal and business. Yeah. So I don't bring my personal life into the business. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't expect you to do the same. To an extent, we still do that. Yeah. But I've had to kind of break that wall down, if I'm honest. Uh, and I've had to kind of have a, 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 again, through experience, maturity and everything else that it's all in one. Yeah. Kind of what we do in work, it's majority of our life we're going to spend in work. Of course. Majority of our life we're going to spend with these people that we choose to work with. So there can't be that division. Mm. Uh, and again, it's been a massive learning curve for me um, to, to even to implement those things. So sometimes we think of amazing ideas, but it takes months for you to implement them. And I think that's what I'm learning to do now, which is if I get some feedback, even if we don't implement it tomorrow, let's just put it on the cards for us to work on it Make within the, the next three months, six months, whatever, but let's get it done. Yeah. Because again, th otherwise that idea is going to get put the back of the pile to the back of the, 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 the email list and they're just going to forget about it. It's lost. So yeah, it's, it's been a massive learning curve, but this is what, this is one of my main focus of last year and this year is culture is who, who is fine clean um, and who is fine clean outside of me. So again, as a business owner, sometimes we, we tend to kind of think that we're the business and the business is us, yep. uh, which to an extent it, it is, it's an extension of us. Uh, but it's very important for the the team to understand that the we all we we are what makes the business, not me. Yeah. Um, and this is what I've really kind of had to 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 let go of me thinking, oh, fine clean is mine. I'm fine clean, and everything else. To no, actually, we are fine clean. What do you think fine clean uh, could be? Let's make that together. So, how yeah. are you going about? approaching that culture, you know, that change, how are you implementing that in the business? Is there a particular process you're going for or is it just, you know, taking each day as it comes and saying, look, this is our core foundations. This is what we focus on. I mean, I, I was on your website today. Very good, very nice website, actually. Um, you know, and you can see you've got your core values at the bottom and what that is about. So how, is that part of the induction process when you get staff on board and you just embed that by, you know, with site visits from management and things like that? How, how do you go about changing that culture? Yeah. So, recruitment is kind of step number one. Mm. So yes, as you can see on the website, um, we, we want to, we want to make sure that the values are at the forefront. Yep. Again, when I started thinking of values and principles and everything else, it's quite easy to just go on Google and think yeah, company it. values. Yeah, sure. Come up with a list. Of yeah. Or you can ask chat GPT <laughs> these days. You ask yeah. that anything and it comes up with them. Yeah. That's it. 
and um, which I did. Mm. Um, but how does that actually become the business and mm. not just a word in in the website or, or the wall that everyone looks at? Oh, okay, so you you're respectful, nice. But how how do you actually from the moment that you interact with them, the first time they apply online or through the website or whatever, how are we going to be different and are we going to represent ourselves in those values? So it starts from recruitment. So our recruitment process, we're very strict uh, when it comes to hiring people. So just to kind of give you an idea. So we have the initial screening. Uh, we do a telephone interview. And the second phase is either uh, a telephone, face, sorry, face-to-face or Zoom interview, or we just jump straight to a trial shift. Within the trial shift, we have kind of a five, 10 minute section of are your values the same as our values? If yes, let's do a trial shift. Um, A trial shift, again, we give uh, a section. So half an hour, we go through the basic induction of health and safety, chemicals and everything else. But I just want to see how you move, Mm -hmm. how you handle the equipment and how you communicate with us as you're working. Um, So it's kind of a, very quickly, you're going to be able to see if what they said in their experience or the interview actually translate to a practical uh, approach. If we're happy, straight away, we offer the job. We send all the paperwork, obviously do all the diligence and everything else. Then they get offered the job. Before they start, we'll do an induction. And then we do what we call kind of cleaning basics, which is essentially, this is how we want you to clean. Yeah. Within that company induction, that's where we break down the company the history of the company, the vision of the company, where is it that we want to be and how are you a part of that vision and then principles. So I am improving that as we speak because one of the feedback that I received is that we kind of need to have like a colleague charter. Okay. So some companies have customer charters and everything else, but a colleague charter is someone in the business outside of me who truly understands what fine clean is about to have that conversation with them and to say, um, this is who Fine Clean is. This is what we are going to do for you. Yeah. This is what we expect you to do for us. And this is how we're going to work together. So these are the company values. What is, uh, uh, I don't know, respect to you? What is integrity to you? What does it look like? Mm. And then we say respect and integrity look like this. If they're not really aligning at this point, we will say, okay, so this is what we would want you to, to do in this situation. And then we'll coach them through it. So, it's not easy. I'm not going to lie to you because especially in, in, in the recruitment stage, if people just want a job, they will tell you what you want to hear. Yeah. And just that nodding. Yes, yes, yes. And yes people yes. that are really quick with it, they will, they will sound perfect. Yeah. Um, but it is with time. So we, we've moved away from um, an extensive recruitment process to kind of, we have a, a, a qualification process, even in the trial shift and everything else, but we use the probationary period very quickly to see if you're going to fit or not with the culture. So each contract, anything above three or four people per contract, we have a shift leader. So a supervisor, we call them shift leaders. And the idea is that they are going to be the ones, they and the team leaders are going to be the ones having the final say whether they're going to stay in the team or not. Because at the end of the day, they're going to be the ones working with them and then managing them. Yeah. So um, that seems to be working really well. So within three, four weeks, we really know if they're going to gel with the team yep. or not. Uh, and again, I've learned with experience to trust their intuition as well. Um, because they, they come back and they say, Gabriel, perfect. Yeah. They, they communicate well. They, they're respectful. They can have a, a joke here and there and not take it to heart or whatever it may be. But their feedback is extremely important. 
Um, so again, going back to your question, recruitment is very important. We're trying to implement more toolbox talks. So we're breaking, we're breaking down different elements of toolbox talks. And one of the elements that we've created is company uh, values. So it fades into that. Yeah. So at the end of the, 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 the toolbox talks about health and safety, handling equipment and everything else is, is trying, I know it's difficult, but trying to link that to a value. Yeah. Why would you pack away your equipment? Why should you uh, check your vacuum before and after the usage? Why should you pack away this way and not leave it like uh, somehow is to kind of say, this is what we're trying to be. We're trying to be best in class. We're trying to be quality. We're trying to be the best. And if, if, if you're trying to be the best, you're not really going to leave the cupboard. And 99% of the cupboards you probably come <laughs> yeah. across, same as me, are in the right state, aren't they? You yeah. Know. And that's not, to be honest, that's probably one of my biggest sales points every time I go. And I don't know, I don't know how, how, how you go um, when you're on site, but I, I try not to bash the other cleaning company. Oh, I'm saying, yeah. Yeah. Because I, sure. I don't know what the relationship was like. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm more of a, I'm listening, I'm noting things down. And then on the proposal, I say, these are my findings. And I'm trying to listen to what the client is saying about the cleaning company. Yeah. Because... And I've seen one of your one of your videos. You talk about it a lot of the time. The reason why contracts fail was support. Yeah, definitely. I agree with you ninety percent of the time. I'd say I, for I, me, I agree with you. Like I, you couldn't have said it right. Like any any more better, any more perfect. It's it. It's support. And I don't know if the reason why they the the the, the support element disappears from some some cleaning companies because they're growing too fast, or they pick the contract and then they realize that actually that really isn't for us. Mm -hmm. It's not really making us money, or we're not really interested in, in developing a relationship with this client or whatever, and they neglect. Yeah. So they kind of park the contract in the background yeah. and they're like, if it fails, it fails, yeah. but I'm not going to bother. You're not worried about it. I think for me, that's a, it's a two pronged thing. Why would someone do that? Either they've got complacent in terms of they've got a good contract. They've got a good set of cleaners there, and they think, Oh, well, Mary and Sue are getting on with it. Mm. I won't bother going there. And they leave it and they get complacent. Yeah. Um, that's one that I've seen. The second one is like you say, one, the client's a pain in, can be a pain in the backside and they don't value the business or yeah. they're not making any money on it. And that goes back to pricing. You know, don't, there's no point of putting in a price for a contract that is low and you're hoping to make up your margin by doing additional stuff like window cleaning and things like that. Because if it doesn't transpire, stuck. You, th th you've got a contract there that's making you no money or 5% margin. And, you, and, and then when something does go wrong, You've got no get up and go mm. to do that. I've got a contract we're quoting at the moment. Hopefully we'll win it. It's for two, no, three large hotels. And the customer, he said to me, the cleaning company, they've been here 10 years. I, they're not even replying to me. I'm asking them questions mm. about it. And they literally not doing nothing. And I've said to them, and interestingly enough, I gave him a price and he said, oh, it's a lot more than what we're paying. And I, my answer back to him was, exactly. that's your problem. <laughs> that's why they're not replying to you yeah. because this is... I know the market. We yeah. know what it requires based on your area. Yeah. So this is the price you need to be paying to get yeah. a good service. You're not paying that. So that's why when you're emailing, you're, you're not, you're not getting it. You're not getting anyone back. And I say, and the second thing is complacency and it's easy to fall in that trip, that trap. Have we fell in it? Yeah, of course it happens. Um, you know, you've got a contract that's going well. The client builds a bit of a relationship with the cleaners or there's a crossover there and you're not hearing about problems until they become big. Yes. And, you know, so they're the main two that I find, you know, why contracts generally fall away is because of those two issues. Um, I'll probably say as well, um, it's education, educating the clients. Mm -hmm. Big piece. I always say that as well when we're going, especially now we're speaking more and more with people in the, I'm speaking to more and more people in the industry. 
my goal this year is to build credibility, to speak to other people in the industry, build connections, build relationships, because I've always been in the background of the brand Fine Clean. But again, with maturity and development, I've realized that people buy from people. Yeah, Unless you're Apple and Nike and McDonald's or whatever, you, you don't really know who is who, mm-hmm. but you buy it because you understand its quality. I'm not there yet. So I, I need to I need to be the reason why people are buying from Fine Clean. There needs to be a trust element in there before they commit. So the people that I'm speaking to now in the industry, the one thing that I'm catching on, uh, on our, in our conversations is that they think that the client knows best to an extent the client should know best because the site is theirs. But when it comes to the science behind it, and when it comes to the uh, knowledge and experience in the industry, we know best. Yeah. Or we should know best. It's like you go to a mechanic and saying, yeah. well, my car's broken. This is what it is to fix it. You know, can you do that? And it's like, you know, you go to a mechanic uh, yeah. because they're an expert. And it's the same It's the same when I go to, you know, customers and they go, well, I want two hours cleaning a week. And I'm thinking, well, where have you got that number from? You've got like 300 desks here or whatever it may be. Yeah. You know, and again, it's a, it's, a, it's a totally valid point. So when it comes to price, um, it's, it's just that. So 100% what you said when you come to that hotel, the client thinks that, what they're paying is 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 correct, mm. but then that's when you we so I, an education I, piece there. Yeah, we say actually the reason why the problems are happening, the problems are occurring, is exactly because of this, because they they are not getting the value that they think they were getting or they're getting, and you're not receiving the the service that you were promised. Yeah, and it is it is it is like a big topic, especially now for me as we grow as a business, which is I need to be the specialist entering your place. Hmm. If, if you ask me for two, three hours, five hours a visit or whatever it is. And I'm like, actually it, that's, that's not even going to touch the, the basics of, of cleaning. You're going to need 10 or 15 hours or whatever it is, a team, whatever. Um, if they don't, if they don't want to kind of go with that, I, we have to have the peace of mind of good luck. Yeah. Because I'm sure you know what you're getting into, you I'm, know, I'm, know what the customer's getting into. I'm sure you've been in situations where, you were probably kind of the more expensive. They went uh, with the middle or the, the the cheapest cleaning company, and then three, four, five, six months down the line, they came back and they're like, "Please help." Yeah, I got a contract actually. Um, I say uh, we discussed off camera that I can't say on camera yeah. just yet, but that that has how we won um, that particular contract because we'd priced this on two occasions, lost it twice on price, um, and then they've come to us and said, "Look, we're ready to sort of bite the bullet and get it done properly." Um, so, so yeah, you know, it happens and there's that educational, but that's a constantly evolving yeah. piece as well. The good thing about commercial contracts is they're not necessarily attached to the budget like mm-hmm. you would in a domestic scenario. Yes. So they're effectively a building manager, facilities manager, they're spending someone else's money. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, say there's an education piece and you're right. We should be telling customers yeah. what, what they need rather than, or at least if they say, well, actually I've only got a budget for three hours, as long as they understand that. Yeah, and then they're not, yeah. Three hours worth of value. Yeah, of course, you know, that, and then they're not ringing you up every Friday saying, oh, Gabriel, this isn't <laughs> done or Chris, that, that isn't done. Um, you know, then that, that's fine. Yeah. But that's a constantly ever growing piece. And I think it goes back to what we said on a couple of times on, on the, today, people, you know, that people's value of what cleaning is, you thought after COVID yeah. that that would be a lot greater, but it's definitely gone back in line with what it was pre-COVID. Um, yeah. Content. Now, obviously, as we're all sat in front of a camera with a nice setup here, we're big on content on, on the channel and as a business. And one of the ways we come across you was actually randomly on Instagram, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and it's so 
endearing and, you know, great to see another cleaning company doing modern day content behind the scenes like you do. Explain to me how you started that journey and what the logic was behind that content. Yeah. So um, I think it was during the pandemic time. Um, I think the, the big tech companies understood that people were going to be glued onto their, to their screens. So there was a, a lot of new kind of um, influencers coming, coming into the scene. Yeah. Um, and we had a conversation just before as well about one of the people that I was really interested again, completely different industry. Didn't think I was going to be so interested uh, in, in what he was talking about, but it was, it was really interesting. And I thought to myself, there isn't anyone in the industry in the UK at the America. They're, 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 there's a few. Yeah. They're completely different. And there's a the few, few people that are, are doing exactly what uh, we should be doing and what we're doing now. Um, but I thought to myself, there isn't anyone at the moment that from an educational point of view as an entrepreneur, what is everyone else doing? Um, because there is no secrets. Again, I, I'm, I'll, I'll be interested to find out about from your side in cleaning or in business as a whole, there aren't many secrets. It's you and your team that kind of create the USPs and the yeah. differentiators and everything yeah. else. But the basics of what we're doing, if we were to sit down here for a few hours or a day or so, we'll probably look at the, the, what we're doing on paper and it's pretty much the same. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Probably is. <laughs> and this is, this is where I find where there isn't anyone talking about it. And everyone thinks that everyone is guarding some sort of magic secret wand or whatever. If they give it away or showcase it to someone, their business is going to fall tomorrow. And I'm like, that's a fear mindset. Um, and I'm big on mindset as well. And if you come from a lack mindset, you're, you're just going to stay in that lack mindset. You yeah. have to think, how you're doing at the moment, the more value you give out, the more value you're going to receive. Um, and it is a giver's game. And that's what I've realized as well. So the journey really became during the pandemic, I understood that there is an opportunity in here for me to start documenting my journey. And again, going back to that thing of knowing that you have to do something and doing something are two different things. Yeah. So it's taken me a while to get to the space. So I worked with um, someone in the uh, kind of short form content, shout out to Aaron uh, from Social Agendas. He gave me a, uh, a very intensive breakdown of what short form content was, how to do it, how to engage, how to provide value, how to actually create the content. So those are one of the things that again, gave me the confidence to, I have a lot to talk about. And as you guys can see, like I can talk, I can just keep going but how can we make it very specific to the audience that we want to? And that helped has helped me a lot in business is to understand who is it that I'm speaking to. Yeah. Um, our niche again, schools and offices and warehouses. I know exactly kind of the client profile. Is it the office manager? Is it the HR manager? Is it the facilities manager? What are their, uh, their likes, their dislikes? What's their wage? What are the things that they usually go through? What are the complaints and the pain points that they, that they, that they uh, uh, talk about when you meet them? It's the same thing when it comes to, 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 to content. Um, and that was one of the things that he mentioned to me, which was instead of you speaking to 10,000, a million people, speak to that one person, yeah. like how we're having this conversation. And that's helped me a lot. Um, so the reason why I, set, I started doing content was really just that one, um, credibility, um, I, on that just quickly, cause yeah, that's one of the big reasons I do what I do. Um, the brand reckon the personal branding, and it's a bit of a buzzword at the moment, personal branding, um, 
how, how are you finding it from that perspective? For you as Gabriel? Yeah, it's, uh, it's very interesting because it's completely different. Mm. I find personal branding and your business branding, they're two different things. Yeah. Um, however, you can't, you can't separate the two completely, especially because one of the reasons why I'm doing it is so people trust Fine Clean as a brand. And it's not just a name or a logo on a screen or a name on the, the, the Google uh, listing is I want them to, when they see fine clean for them to be like, Oh, I know Gabriel. I've seen Gabriel. He's shown me, he's documented, he's explaining what he does. So I'm going to give them a chance. Yeah. Um, so yeah, in terms of kind of the, 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 the separation, the personal branding, I'm just, it's just me. Who am I? Yeah. Who am I? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Um, why is fine clean who fine clean is? Where did I start? Where am I heading? What am I doing right now? What does my day to day look like? Um, what are the benefits to what I'm doing in terms of being an entrepreneur? What are the downfalls? Not many people talk about the downfalls of Definitely entrepreneurship. Not. We'll come on to that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Which again, I think with social media, it's quite easy for people to glorify entrepreneurship and glorify being a, a, a business owner and everything else. But interesting, I went to, um, again, I'm going to more networking events and I went to a networking event in, in my area. I didn't realize this. I, maybe I, I should have read the description a little bit better, but it was purely for self-employed people. Okay. Um, again, graphic designers, phot photographers, uh, sm small uh, uh, entrepreneurs. One man operation yeah. type things, yeah. And at first I was like, oh man, am I wasting my time? Mm. But then I thought to myself, no, I'm not. Because um, it gives me an opportunity to, to one, uh, understand entrepreneurship from a different perspective, connect with people in the room. I've managed to build actually two really good connections that will help my business as well. But one of the things that I got from one of the conversations, so at the end of the, the, the section they had uh, about what is the downfalls of being a self-employed entrepreneur, and every single person in the room said, um, you are your own boss. Your people think that you can have X amount of, of, of wage that you're Mr. Moneybags and everything else. And I thought to myself, I, I love this element of the, the, the networking event. Everyone is just being open and transparent. And some people have been doing it for 20 something years, 30 years or whatever. And this is what, where going back to my personal branding, I want to say to people really think about if you want to be an entrepreneur, mm. because I think that the, uh, again, this is me thinking why most businesses fail is not because you have a bad business idea or a bad, bad business concept is because you're just not a good entrepreneur. Yep. You're just not a good business owner. Um, and that comes back to maybe you thought it was this fantasy job yep. or this fantasy lifestyle and actually is the complete opposite. Mm. You're, you're, you're getting yourself into a, a very hard job that is probably underpaid for the work that you do. Most definitely. It probably give me probably no time off, no holidays, no switch off time um, until you get to a certain position where you can afford to do those things. But again, that's the, the reason why I'm talking to people and I'm expressing and I'm showcasing this is what I'm doing. This is what being an entrepreneur is actually like. Because if they can enter the industry with, okay, I have a clear picture of what I'm going to be doing. Maybe I'm going to be cleaning for a year, two years. Maybe I'm going to be um, uh, managing operations for two, three years after that understanding kind of the business. And then I'm probably going to start seeing those rewards a little bit further on. I think it will benefit all of us yeah. a little bit more um, because someone who is 
smaller as a business and they don't have that many fixed costs and overheads, of course they can undercut course. a professional company. Yeah. And the, again, going back to educational side of things, the customer doesn't know any better. Mm. If company A is saying, we're a commercial cleaning company, we can clean your offices, we're DBS, we're ISO, we're certificated, da, 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 da. they give you the whole shebang. Company and, and says, I can do this for uh, a thousand. And then this, this other company who comes in, who is a professional cleaning company, and has the accreditations and has the structure and has the managers and everything else, but it's saying, actually, I'm going to charge 2000. The client is going to be like, they're both saying they can do the same thing. Yeah. Why would I pay double? And that's one of the reasons. So kind of, I've summarized my mission into um, kind of a one-liner, which is the, the reason why I'm doing it is to educate the, the, the business leaders and to motivate the workforce. Uh, because if the business leaders understand what they're walking into and what they're getting themselves into, they can then motivate the workforce and they can also provide a, a level playing field for everyone in the industry. So when the client sees that 2000 pounds and a thousand pounds, they're going to be like something here isn't right. Yeah. It's not apples for apples. Shall we say. Yeah. And then we can have that conversation. So yeah, personal branding has been interesting. Um, again, one of the ways that I've managed to, to connect with my audience is through uh, just clarity calls. So who are you? Why are you watching my videos? Why are you commenting in my videos? Mm -hmm. Um, and again, I've had 60 people uh, jump on to, to calls within a, a month and a half uh, time. Do you find they're generally clean, other cleaning business owners? So I'll probably say 15%, 20% are established business owners, uh, people that have been in the industry for years. They have staff, they have uh, uh, management in place and structure in place. But I'll probably say the majority of people wanting to start okay. or people that have started yeah. but don't really have a clear direction and mm -hmm. they're like, why isn't it really working for me? Um, but yeah, it's been interesting. It's been interesting to kind of have a, a feel uh, and majority of it has been around this area, the London area and uh, the Midlands people reaching out. I've had someone from Canada and America reach wow. out to me as well. Um, it was an interesting conversation. They're like, oh, I've seen your videos. I want to start a cleaning company here in America. I was like, I can, I can help you on an operational point of view. I can yeah. give you some tips and everything else, but I have no clue. Or the American market. Yeah. I have no, don't, don't ask me that many questions. Cause yeah. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's been an interesting kind of journey, kind of developing that, that, that brand element. And now I can, I see the, the same people reaching out, commenting, liking, yeah. um, people actually saying, Gabriel, great content. I, I'm getting a lot of value from this, or this is timely. I've, I've been wanting to start cleaning business and you've given me the confidence to do it. Um, I had a lady message me. She's saying, look, I've been, I've been stuck in this threshold, uh, of turnover and just by two or three of your videos, it's giving me something to work on mm. that potentially is either going to save me some money or maybe make me a little bit more money. So thank you. Yeah. And to me, that's again, it just justifies what I'm doing because I think it's quite easy to fall into that. I'm just doing it because I want to be seen. I'm yeah. just doing it because I want to be known. Like there was two elements of it. There is a selfish element of credibility and yeah, you want to build your brand and build your business and everything else, but it's value. What are you actually putting out there for people to, implement and make their lives a little bit better yeah what's the goal with it long term what sort of next is just carrying on and seeing where it goes more long format content mix of the both uh, so a mix of both so um again i say i'm trying so to put out three videos uh, a week short form content so a minute videos here and there um and i'm finding i don't know about yourself it's a little bit easier to kind of talk and put a lot more value in these short form contents yep. than the longer form content because you can just, again, certain experiences, one of the videos that I just put out was uh, a referral. So until very recently, 
we were still doing kind of pen and paper, managing miles and uh, all of the expenses. And then they were sent into the office and everything else. And it was a trust element with kind of the, the, the drivers and everything else. Until one day we received an email of someone saying, I've just seen your van and they were driving uh, like recklessly. And I was like, oh, okay, so red flag. We need to, we need to improve this. And it took me about two months. I was doing demos of this company, that company. I, I found one company that I was really happy with. But then the moment of sign up, they, I think it was like two weeks later, they sent me an email saying, look, we, we had to, to close shop. The business yeah, just, we, it up. yeah, we haven't been able to get as many customers as we thought. Uh, they were like, uh, I think from the Netherlands and they came into the UK market and everything else. And I thought, shame. But I just reached out to some people in my network that I knew had a big fleet. So they had to kind of have a way to manage the, the, those those vehicles. And within a minute, he contacted me directly with the person, the decision maker in that company. And then boom, I was able to uh, to do it. So that sort of that that sort of content and the things that I'm doing is I want to be able to showcase and do that with the short form content videos. Eventually now I'm doing longer form content. Um, again, some of the stuff that you're doing, I find really interesting, really inspiring, really motivating, uh, but it is hard. Yeah, it is very hard. Yes. Yeah, you know, we do our weekly episodes um, and we try and do bits of shorter format content in between that, but it, it, you know, in my mind, and this is one of the tough parts, we, we spoke off camera about this downstairs, is coming up with fresh ideas, right? Yeah. How, you know, there's only so many times you walk around a school and say, right, this one's fire cleaners or whatever it may be. The general consensus of that contract is the same. Yeah. And we've done, you know, our cleaning up, uh, clean sweep shows where, you know, we'll do an office. This is what we do in an office. This is what yeah. we look out for. This is a school. And we've done that. And we sort of covered a mm-hmm. wide range of sectors. Really, I'll be honest with you, the long format content, people advise me not to do it, you know, because we have guests, we have Jack Gaysford, who was on the show, you know, marketing expert, really knows his stuff. Um, and other people, they've said, look, we can't see the longer format content sticking. I use it as more of a journal for me, to be honest. Um, and we mentioned um, about Asheville, uh, yeah. Daniel Louisi from Asheville. You know, even him, just, I watch that yeah. religiously on a Sunday. It's probably one of the only YouTube channels apart outside of Casey Neistat. Um, where I would watch it, no matter what he put out, I watch it. And you do build that up. But I, I use it more as, you know, one, it shows people what goes on behind the scenes. And, and of course, that that invokes criticism at times. Yeah. You're going to get that. Um, oh, he didn't have a glove on in that, <laughs> or whatever it may be. Um, but I say, I use it more as a journey. You know, people can see what goes on behind the yeah. scenes and the trials and tribulations of yeah. that. So it's more of a journal for me personally, to be honest. And if, hey, if people watch it, that's great. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a good, again, it's, it's a good mindset to have. And I'm not going to lie to you, I'm probably going to take that mindset mm. as well when it comes to doing the long form content is what is it that I'm doing? Um, because that's exactly the same mindset that I've done with the short form content. Uh, but you are right. It's, there is only so much that you can do walking around yeah, the site. Yeah, that's what we found. Um, and yeah, as you, as you know, you have a business to run. You mm. have staff to maintain and everything else. I even made a joke in one of my videos, which was now I have to go back to making real money. Yeah. Because yeah, you, you could kind of, not lose yourself, but it has to kind of fit into your day. It has to fit into what you're doing mm. because otherwise, again, uh, you, you, we're just chasing kind of this shiny penny and the, the base of what, I, of what we're doing is kind of neglecting a little bit. So I'm still kind of trying to balance that um, um, with going into to long form content. But yeah, the, the, the long-term vision is again, to build credibility, to uh, continue to expand fine clean as a business, continue to produce more kind of corporate uh, content for fine clean. Um, doing 
uh, interviews with staff members, doing interviews with suppliers, nice. clients, and everything else. Because again, going back, not to, not to keep repeating myself, I believe there's like this this veil that the, the industry, and I guess a lot of industry do this, but the big companies, the smaller companies think that the, what they're doing is the correct way. And they kind of keep hitting their head against the wall thinking, why isn't this working? Why, why am I not the, making this a certain level of money? Why is this contract failing? What? And I'm like, actually, they're also trying to figure it out. They may have found a way that works for them, mm-hmm. but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for you. Yeah. And the amount of stories that I hear from people that have worked in certain companies, certain industry, certain um, uh, big companies, it's like it was a mess in yeah, there. Yeah, they are. Everyone is just trying to figure out what to do. Mm. There's politics. There's this happening. This person doesn't speak to this person. This contract can't be done because this person knows that. And I'm like, that would never happen to a, an, an SME. Yeah. Because usually, uh, to a certain level, it's going to be a, a, an owner operator until you change and then you get people in, in, in positions. So if we can kind of talk about it and if we can kind of educate it, it helps everyone. Yeah, It breaks that, it cuts that veil in the middle and everyone can kind of see that, ah, okay, so what we're doing isn't wrong. Yeah. It just, it just isn't efficient. Hmm. How can I make this process more efficient? How can I improve my recruitment so I'm not constantly churning people in and out People that don't really want a job, they just want to, I don't know, make a quick a quick money for this month and then yeah. they're out. Yeah, so someone I spoke to calls them professional butterflies. So they jump from flower jump to, to flower, go. business to business. And th- those costs are probably kind of the biggest hidden cost that I've found. Yeah, you're right. Recruitment um, is, is, a, is a massive one. And then logistics management and then making sure that people understand how to use equipment as well. It's so hard to sometimes monitor those, but the efficiencies and savings that you can make on, on those things are massive. Yeah. So if we can kind of, I'm saying we, as you're doing industry. Yeah. Um, if we can kind of educate ourselves and then educate others, everyone can really understand the true cost of what they're doing. Yeah. Because sometimes they think they're making X and the reality at the end of the month, it's completely different. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you think about it, you know, most people that come into the cleaning industry, they're not, you know, they're not like an Avin Ribeiro who we've had on who's, you know, an Oxford graduate, MBE, yeah. you know, um, angel investor. They're just normal day-to-day people like, yeah. like me and you that are just, you know, right, we're starting a business. And nine times out of 10, we've had guests on the, you know, we're winging it day-to-day. Okay, we understand the process. But like you say, someone that has, you know, has been a good cleaner and thinks, oh, I'll start this on my own. One, they might not necessarily make a good business owner, yeah. like you've alluded to. Two, do they understand the commercial aspects of it yeah. where they think they're making money, but really they're not? Um, you know, as a good example, in our business, we used to have our managers ro- driving, like dropping off materials. And they mm. used to go, I'll say, why don't you get the consumable provider to drop them to the site? Oh, well, it doesn't matter because I'm doing it. I'm like, yeah, but your time's not free. Yeah. It's costing me more money yeah. than it would you doing that than you know, someone dropping them off a, a contract. So it's them, like you say, them hidden costs that can easily yeah. trip business owners. I mean, I've worked in big FM companies and trust me, they're just the same as an SME, just on a bigger scale. There's just more, more zeros, zeros in the end. like yeah. you say. Um, the good thing about them is their contracts, they're oversized. They've probably got a contracts manager mm-hmm. on site, but one of the roles I had within a business was manning, managing what they call nominal business, which is basically stuff that I would do as an SME. Mm-hmm. And they're just, they're the same, mm. regardless of whether it's hundreds of million pounds of revenue or 
you know, million pound of revenue or just mid six figures. They're, they're the same. You're going to get the same issues yeah. that, that come up reoccurring. You mentioned um, when we were talking there about how entrepreneurship is uh, glamorized, over glamorized in my, in my eyes. Now I've got a business. So, and I asked you about some of the positives of having a business and some of your wins. Mm. What's been the lowest point that you can think of in your business that you're willing to discuss? Try and steer clear of COVID because everyone <laughs> said COVID. Um, has there been a particular point where you think, oh, you know, because it has happened to me, uh, Gabriel, a couple of times where I think, you know what, I don't, I don't know, this ain't for me. You know, yeah. this is not for me um, for whatever reason. And it can be an example of mine is we had a very, very large construction client, um, mid five figure contract, near six figure in terms of what we were delivering there. And they had nearly the same again in extras where they'd overrun their construction program. And it come to the end and I gave them the bill and the quantity surveyor effectively said to me, well, I'm not paying for all the overs. Luckily, I had all the emails, et cetera. And we're talking, you know, like big money. I'd paid out all the wages yeah. for it. Um, so, you know, and I'm looking at it thinking, well, if I don't get this money, I'm in shit. Yeah. Um, so has there been a particular low moment within the business that you'd be willing to share? As I say, just, it just highlights that it's not all, you know. It's all good, yeah. Ferraris, <laughs> what have you, that none of us have. I'll probably say... Um, Again, through my maturity in terms of like building relationships with people and everything else, it's um, the people that we've helped the most seem to be the people that kind of hurt us the most when they leave or when mm -hmm. they're thinking of leaving. Yeah, And it's that to me, I'm still, it's still a learning curve for me. And I'm, I'm, I'm understanding that it isn't necessarily personal. Yeah. People have their own things happening and they make decisions and judgments the, the, the way they see fit. I'll probably say that. I'll probably say sometimes it does make, it has made me question. Thankfully, it's not happening as, as, as often now. But in the past, I was like, what what am I doing wrong as a business owner or as a, 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 a leader of a business that people feel comfortable enough to, sometimes it just feels like a slap in the face. Yeah. Like I've done nothing but support you, support yeah. you yeah, yeah. respect you. One thing that, I, again, we, we're quite big on is like no swearing, no shouting and the, the, regardless of, of who it is. Yeah, yeah. So base, base level is respect. Um, why, why, uh, and again, I'm not, it's not unique to me. I know it happens to, to a lot of business owners and I think probably those things have, have been like a low point in yeah. business. And again, it's, it's made me understand a little bit more black and white. Mm -hmm. Um, and now as we progress, again, one of my, my mentors as well, uh, he says, Gabriel, even in big companies, you think that one or two people, it's it's making you question how you run your business. Now think about a hundred people leaving in, leaving in a month yeah. and a hundred different cases that you have to deal with or however the situation, they, they're a bad lever and they're trying to sue you for whatever. Imagine that happening times 10 or yeah. times 20 in a month when you have, I don't know, 20,000 staff members. And that kind of brought me a little bit more back to reality, which was, yeah, again, I understand. Um, one thing that I like to say quite, quite often in my videos is it doesn't get any easier. We just get better yeah. at dealing with those situations. Um, another example, um, I, I guess when things really go wrong and it, I think it was like two months ago, I had, a, I had a, a moment where I was like, the business is kind of taking a life of its own. I think until a certain point, you're like, yeah, I'm controlling the business. I know exactly what's happening. I know exactly what happens during the shift and everything else. You kind of think that you're in control of what's happening. But I think it was about two, three months ago that I, 
I really, again, talking about sometimes sitting down and reflecting on certain things. I really sat down and I was like, I can't control every single contract. It's impossible. Every single situation, interaction, it's impossible. Um, and at the moment we have 55 staff members nice. um, and then we have about 20 self-employed staff that we work with, which are still part of the team. Yeah, of course. Um, we, we use them in kind of last minute uh, situations or big contracts, big jobs that we have and we bring them along. Again, everyone is inducted. Everyone understands the, the business, the culture and everything else. But at that point, I really sat down and I, th- I thought to myself, things could really go wrong mm. and I have had physically nothing to do with it but I'm going to have to be the one to, to solve it. Um, and then, yeah, so I'll, I'll probably say kind of those situations of understanding that um, and things could go really wrong. And I think that kind of keeps me grounded a little bit uh, where that could be a really low point for me. If again, we're in a fortunate position and I'm confident in saying this, we haven't lost a contract in six years due to quality contracts do come to an end. Of course. We have given plenty of contracts back where the relationship really as it developed, it wasn't really working for for either party. Um, but I don't really want to lose a contract due to quality. Yeah. We are building a reputation in quality, in best in class. We're developing relationships with clients and everything else. So if I were to lose a contract because we neglected the contract or the staff felt neglected and it started to complain to the clients or whatever the reason may be, I think that would be a really low point for me in business. Um, but again, knock on wood, hopefully that won't happen. Um, but yeah, I'll probably say that, probably say the relationship aspect of it. And sometimes you feeling like you've been backstabbed. I mean, especially when you're dealing with large amounts of employee, you know, employees that happens. I mean, I could think of several examples, you know, staff will come to us and say, and we're fortunate enough where we're, you know, still an SME, you know, oh, I'm really short this month. Can I have an advance or whatever it may be? And I've done that on several times. I've I've even had employees come to me and say, oh, look, I'm moving in a new house. I need a deposit. Mm you know, and they've paid us back over time. And then, you know, they've left. <laughs> uh, not when they owed the money, to touch wood, yeah. but they've left and they go, you know, they, they can't even do the courtesy of giving you a week's notice. And and sometimes, again, and I think, yeah. you know, you've obviously got your faith, which is a big part of yeah. that. Um, you know, so you've got that mechanism there. But me, I, sometimes I'll sit and I'll, I'll dwell on that for yeah. a little bit. And I say, I think having that pragmatic approach and, taking emotion out of yeah. it because there's probably a reason, reason they've done yeah. that. Um, you know, but you think, you think to yourself, am I to blame for that in some shape or form? Is it the culture within the business that yeah. we've orientated? Yeah, no. so it's not all, not all sunshine and rainbows, is it? It's and not. there are certainly many, many tough points. So what's next for you and Fine Clean? What's going to be in the future? What have you got planned? Um, we do have big plans. Good. Again, uh, our, our mission is to become the best cleaning operation in the UK. I'm sitting there across to you, but do you know what no I mean? chance, <laughs> <laughs> not against us. No, but to, to be honest, the, comp- no, the best way. Yeah, co- competition kind Healthy. of drives yeah. drives um, uh, efficiency. Because if if we were sat in an island thinking, yeah, we're the best, or like we would never really look at what you're actually doing yeah. and how you can improve it. So again, I, I hope hope to have a lot more of these conversations with yourself and other people in the industry as well, because everyone wins. Yeah. Like as as I was driving here, I thought to myself, we're, even though we're in the same industry, there is so much work in the UK as a whole Mm. that even the big companies can't take. Yeah. It's a billion pound industry. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're in a position, we're a very fortunate position where, um, 
I believe, and the feedback that I'm receiving for from the, our non-exec directors and, and, and mentors, we've built a very solid foundation. So now it's just about, like you said, steering that boat and keeping it focused. I'm not sure about you, but like I, I have the tendency of, oh, I want to start this. Oh, I want to do this. Yeah. And I just I have to I have to keep coming back to fine clean is the focus. Yeah. What I'm doing with fine clean is the kind of the long-term goal. So kind of our six year plan is to be a 10 million pound business. Nice. Um, I'm not sure if you, if you've read a book called small giants. No, I haven't. No. Really interesting. Give it to me off camera. I do like reading as you can see from the bookshelf. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, it, it talks about kind of small companies, obviously making, uh, turning over millions, uh, multi-million pounds, but they keep the essence of who they were when they were small. Okay. I think that's, that's a key part within the industry, for sure. And th that's the mindset that I, we are building fine clean with, Good. which is we don't really want to get lost lost in the source of, oh, we become big, so we can't do certain things. Don't talk to me. Don't come into my office. Do you know what I mean? Certain things, we really want to maintain the essence of it. So yes, we do have that big financial drive and motivation and everything else. But if we get to a point where we, we hit a certain milestone and we're like, actually, anything more than this is going to destroy uh, the, the, the essence or the soul of who Franklin is, I think we'll probably just keep it right there. That's lovely to hear. Ali so, Rastel said the same, um, to be honest, on the podcast. He said exactly the same thing. What they realised is they'd scaled so big at one point and that's when they that toxic workplace culture come in and then they've realised now that actually this this amount of revenue, this amount of staff, that's a sweet spot mm. for us. And that's a real sensible approach to have because people have, I, I was on a podcast with um, James Sinclair, who's quite yeah. a renowned um, entrepreneur. And he said, oh, so what's the goals? And I said, well, I want to get it to 10 million. And he was like, why? <laughs> and I was like, well, that's a real valid question yeah. because I don't know, because I think I wanted to scale because that's what everyone does. Yeah. Right. Um, so I think that's a, that's a, that's a great point and a great takeaway for everybody. You know, sometimes if you're getting to a point and that's going to then hinder your service that then will subsequently damage your reputation, yes. maybe it's better to Stay. wait here. As long as you, you know, everyone's eating, they can pay their bills on time. You know, what, why go that extra mile and risk knocking everything else down that you've built? Sure. I think that's a super sensible approach. Absolutely. And uh, the way I see business in life, it's phases. Yeah. So you have your high seasons, your low seasons. Sometimes that season may feel like the whole year, mm. but you know that things are going to come and go. Yeah. Positives are going to come. Bad days are going to come. So that's, that's again, through uh, the develop, develop, development of fine clean and also me becoming a father and a family man and everything else. It's, it's understanding that everything has its time. Um, and obviously my, my mindset is I want to be the best. I want to have this, this sort of, uh, uh, of business, this sort of culture, this sort of revenue, this sort of profit, um, I want to be doing these sort of things as well in the community. So that's the big thing as well that with Fine Clean, we're developing uh, what it's called Fine Clean Cares. Okay. So we want to become part of the community that has helped us yeah. become who we are. We want to be able to kind of give back, not just monetarily, but how can we make sure that we are involved in the community to improve the situation? Again, Worcester is is not the, the, a, a bad community. It's not a bad area, but there's certainly things that can improve. There's certainly things that we can do better as a business community because in essence, businesses run the world. Yeah. How can we improve the community that has made us who we are type of thing? So to me is understanding those seasons and understanding that business is going to progress and is going to develop how it's going to develop. Talking about kind of, we can control, we can control. But once we get to that stage and 
we can sit back as kind of business owners and realize this is a good place for us to stay at for a, a, some time. Yeah. Improve what we need to improve, make the efficiencies that we need to make. Because again, from the mindset of an entrepreneur, it's quite easy to constantly be chasing contracts. And I think that's one of the things that I've said to every single person that I've spoken to in those calls, which is firstly, understand what the end goal is. What is it that you want it to look like? How do you want to be living in three years, five years time? Do you want to be working in the tools? I know people are content 20 years, that, yeah. 20 years down the line. They're still clean. They love it. They love their relationships with their clients, which is absolutely fine. Um, but it's, if that isn't what you want, plan for it, have a vision because I'm not a fearful person, but one of my worst kind of things of thinking, imagine if I don't plan or do how I want my life to be. And then 20 years down the line, I'm looking back and I'm like, how did I end up here? Yeah. Why am I in a position where I am? And that's where I'm kind um, that's my wife's favorite word, being intentional. Like mm -hmm. this is why I'm intentional in terms of, again, talking about business, but then personally as well. I've seen in terms of like the fitness stuff that you guys talk about, that you talk about in your channel as well. It could be fitness. It could be kind of mindfulness. It could be faithful, uh, faith. How are you as a business owner be, being taken care of? Yeah. So you can kind of have that vision, that clear vision to develop. So that's one of the things that I'm talking to a lot of people about is understand how you want your life to be, your business to be, is the worst possible thing for you to be at is later on down the line, either business crumbles or um, health uh, goes down or you mess up the relationship with your family because you didn't really plan accordingly and yeah. everything else. So yeah, th those are the things that I'm, I'm really focused uh, on about. And um, as the business grows, I want to try and I, I use that word try to kind of keep that foundation. It sounds like it sounds like you're doing everything right, and I think there's plenty more that we could we'll chat about Absolutely. today for sure. There's loads of stuff that we could do, so maybe we could do a part two on this particular one. Gabriel, tell everyone on the channel and our social platforms where they can find you on all your social platforms and your website. Yeah, cool. So um, at Gabriel Pereira uh, dot io, um, Instagram uh, Fine Clean with two ends uh, on Instagram. Our website FineClean.co.uk. Again, I, I'm more than happy to connect with uh, with the audience, give my time away, have a chat, because again, we're giving value. We're also taking value. We're also learning things. Um, so yeah, I'm more than happy to connect with people, speak to people. Uh, and again, through social media, through the stuff that you're doing, it's why we're here. Yeah. So it shows that it is work. a powerful tool for, for us to connect. So yeah. Um, that's how you can reach out yeah. to me. We'll put all the stuff in the uh, comments down below. So that wraps up this week's episode, guys. As always, make sure you subscribe on all of your favorite podcast platforms. So Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. For those of you that like the visual element, make sure you head over to YouTube and search Cleaning Up Business Podcast and you'll find all of our episodes there. Again, thank you to Gabriel for making such a long journey down and maybe we can do a part two where we travel up to Gabriel and then visit the um, Fine Clean head office and have a look there. Yeah, get another episode down so that wraps up this one guys I'll catch you on the next one